0: Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons on our YouTube channel linked below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you guys will, um, turn to Isaiah chapter 40 um, and stand in honor of the reading of the word of God please. So last week, um, I started a conversation that I knew wasn't going to be finished and wrapped up last week about waiting on the Lord. We get to wait on the Lord. Um, And I'm going to reread one of the passages that, that we used last week and that we're kind of building back off of. Okay, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 27, says this, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we thank you for this promise. We thank you for the truths that are in this passage, Father. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Uh, If if you were not here um, and you did not see part one, if you will, I want to encourage you to go back and watch part one. Uh, it's, it's important. This topic is is broad, and I, just like I didn't cover everything last week, and I would say don't end the conversation there, uh, I want to say don't just pick up the conversation here. Go back and, and, and watch that. It's so important, the concept of waiting on the Lord and why that's important and, and how it's powerful. Um, I started by using this passage... Um, To say it gives us a good picture of some of the responses as we're waiting on the Lord, some of the responses that like he leads us into as he answers. Um, And we really only talked about that they shall mount up with wings like eagles. You don't know how hard I'm trying not to say weagles again this week. (laughs) Y'all have lovingly used my family's love language of harassment um, to love on me this week regarding weagles. Uh, I feel very loved. Uh, to mount up on wings like eagles, kind of referring to that response that the Lord can give saying, hey, be still and let me take care of this. I'll do it. Just watch. Just be still. Know that I'm God. I'll do it. And speaking of that verse, uh, I'll come back into it, actually. um, So we have that response. We talked about that. But we also have the, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Some of the different responses. Sometimes the Lord says, This is what we're doing. This is where we're headed. Go. Run. And as long as you are obedient in that, you won't be weary. Or maybe I should say, As long as you will keep your eyes obediently focused and faithfully focused on what He's told you, you won't be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes the Lord says, hey, this is kind of like the direction that we're headed into. Just start walking, but keep looking back for direction along the way. I'll give you more specifics as it comes, but, but kind of walk in this direction. I like, the, the, I like to use this verse as an illustration to see that. Um, this is kind of my fault. I said, it, I said something last week, and then it happened again this week. Um, I asked the Lord. I don't know why I asked him uh, this. I do know why, but uh, I'm like... You be careful what you ask the Lord for, um, but I asked him, I was like, Lord, I just I want to experience the things that you have me preach on i want to I want to preach from experience. and when i when I said that, I was thinking about the the topics that are to come in twenty twenty four that I'm excited about. Um, but I didn't know he was going to like start answering that immediately and have me like walk through those things. Um, again, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I have an entire sermon, right? but like if it's one of these three things i just feel like i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna as it's like the walk thing it's the hey go in this direction where this is like the general direction that we're going in but keep like looking back so there may be moments today where i just seem like i'm stopping and i don't know what i'm doing or something i have like a direction but like the lord just may left turn at any moment Right, and so we're going to walk forward. We're just going to trust that the Lord is going to give a direction. It's not that I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's just go and, and just whatever you want to do, it'll it'll come out. Lord works in those ways, right? I have a direction this morning, and we will keep moving forward in it. But it's kind of exciting. Um, let, let's let's see what he does. Um, I think it's important that I make this comment that I say this um, when we're waiting on the Lord. Our waiting doesn't cease when we get an answer to what we've been asking about. That's really important for us to understand. Because last week we're talking about waiting on the Lord and having the endurance, like he provides strength. As long as he will have you wait, he will provide strength and abundance to be able to do that well. It is available to us. But when we have this thing we feel like we've been waiting for, and he gives direction, whether it's a run direction or a walk direction or a up. On wings like eagles direction waiting's not done doesn't end when we get that direction we have to continue to wait on the Lord and this is why that's important when I go back even to the verse that I mentioned last week and mentioned a second ago um uh in 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 Psalms where he says be still Psalm 46 verse 10 be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. I alluded to this last week. It's important that we continue to wait on the Lord because the way that the Lord wants to answer is probably different than how you would answer your, your, your situation. But he wants to do more than just answer the thing or, or, or solve the problem or deal with the, the obstruction that you're experiencing, that's what we like, that, that, that's our experience with it. Like I have this thing, Lord, I, I need to like, I, I need to see resolution in this. And that's our goal, that's what we're desiring, that's what we're going after. But there's so much more at play in that. And sometimes the way that the Lord wants to answer and move and respond to that is crucial because he's doing something way beyond just what you are experiencing. I'm experiencing this, I wanna, I wanna know what to do, but he says, hey, just remember, I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I feel like that's so important for, to, for our culture today because we live, even if your heart is pure, you operate in complete humility, we just live in a society that is like the me monster society that exalts the individual and even a society that doesn't even act like there is a God who, has, who is at play in what's happening in the individual. And, and, and what God wants to do in your life and how he maybe wants to answer your situation or resolve your issue has their issues in mind. He wants to do it in such a way that it can't be explained by you. It had to have been God. He wants to answer your situation, but he's going to do so in a way that he is exalted in the nation's. And so it's important for us to continue to wait even when we feel like we have direction. I think I've shared this story before. Um, if I, I probably share a lot of things over and over. That's okay. Uh, I'm old like that, and, and my memory is not always the best. Um, but I, I, I think it's important. There's always new people that show up. So for the two of you—no, I'm just kidding— uh, <laughs> Have I ever shared the story of like uh, going on a mission trip to Peru and, the, and them asking me to, to, to lead a devotional with the missionaries on the field? Some of you guys are saying, no. okay, good. Um, so I remember asking the Lord, what devotional would you have me like share? Like I, was, I, would, I had already come back from the mission field. Um, I was in East Africa for several years with my wife and uh, I was back and now I was leading a team to Peru and there's a whole bunch of missionaries from different organizations that gathered together for this um, little, little <clears throat> night of worship and um, a word, if you will. And so they asked me, would you bring a devotional word to that? And so I'm asking the Lord, what would you have me speak on? And I heard the Lord say, the Great Commission. And I'm, I'm like, uh, No. <laughs> Like, these are missionaries. Like, they get it. Like, they, they know, make disciples of all nations. Like, they, they're literally doing it. God, like, when they go back home, like, all the churches ask them, will you come speak on, like, the Great Commission and, like, Acts 1? Like, like, they get it. Like, what, 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 what would I have to, like, share with them? And he just spoke to my heart. He said, yeah, they get that part of it, but they may have forgotten the last part. And lo, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And they saw that as a, I'll be in the corner watching you take care of the task. Instead of realizing, I wanted to do it together with them. And so there's this element that exists in the waiting on the Lord that even when he gives you a direction, he doesn't just want you, even in the run, it's not a, okay, run and go do it on your own. This is what we're going to do. Can you imagine... If the Israelites who have been through a lot, right, and I went back and watched, by the way, and I hate, like, when I say something, like, if I say something wrong, just correct me. When I talk about the Israelite army bearing down on them, I meant the Egyptian army bearing down on them, right? I said it, like, two or three times and just kept going with it. I appreciate that you guys love me, right? But you can correct me if those things, Be like, Egyptian army, right? But they, they literally saw the Red Sea parted. They had manna fed to them in the wilderness. They were led around by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. Like the miraculous things that happened even in their wandering, like they had been through a lot and they knew, they had reason after reason after reason to trust the Lord and believe the Lord. And he told them, I will give you a promised land. And then as we walked through the past few weeks, a miraculous way of stopping up the Jordan River, and they crossed over again on dry land. What if they knew that the Lord had said, I am giving you the promised land, and they knew that the first barrier to that was the city of Jericho? What if they just charged forward in full faith that the Lord was delivering the promised land unto them. Every city and people that was going to be in their way was going to be dealt with. And they just charged forward in the might of their army towards Jericho. Like, who among them would have thought, maybe we should just like march around the city. Maybe we should blow trumpets. Maybe we should be quiet, and then on the seventh day, we'll do it seven times, and on the seventh time of the seventh day, we'll all shout, and then that will be what wins the victory. Like, who would have thought of that? Nobody. Why? Because nobody has ever thought of that. And in fact, even knowing that, I've not even known people who've tried to recreate that in warfare. It's essential because if they charge in full of faith in what the Lord wanted them to do, think about it. They may have even, in the strength of their natural might, overtaken the city of Jericho. It probably would have, even if they had, it probably would have uh, required more lives, Israelite lives, than were necessary, than God desired. But remember, it's not just that they win the city of Jericho. It's how they won the city of Jericho. Because God will be exalted in all the nations. If you were to go back to, um, I think it's Joshua chapter 2. That's where the Israelite spies are talking with Rahab, the prostitute. She's hiding them. She's telling them, surely we know that the Lord has delivered this land into your hands. Why? Why? Because as soon as we heard, she the first time she talked about it, she's talking 40 years prior. As soon as we heard what your God did for you at the Red Sea and parting the Red Sea and you guys walking across, our hearts melted within us. Then 40 years goes by, and God does it again through Joshua's command. At the Jordan River, it stops up, and it says again, And when they crossed over on dry land all the inhabitants of the land their hearts melted because they realized that the god of the israelites is the god and he operates in a way that who can withstand the point was not for the people to fear the israelite army the point was to fear the israelite god that's why it's important for us to even when we have a direction to wait on how he will do that conquer the promised land, conquer Jericho, but wait for me to give a direction on how I want to do it. Because I'm doing it for more than just that victory in the battle. I'm doing it for my glory. And in case you fell asleep, the my was God. God will do it in a way that he receives the glory. And he gets that direction. He gives us. The idea, And it's important that we continue to make sure that we don't just get the direction and then go accomplish it in our own means. Let me give you an example from Scripture. Abraham and Sarah, really old. The Lord comes to them and says, I am going to give you a child. In fact, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. They had no children, super old, no children at all. They get this promise from the Lord. As, as, as many as the sands are of the, of, the, of the sea or the stars in the sky, a generation through a couple who had no children. And then years go by and there's still no child. So what do they do? They try to make the promise happen. And Sarah gives her maidservant, Hagar, to Abraham to bear her a child, if you will. And that's where Ishmael is born. What's the problem? The problem is that's not the promise the Lord gave. That's not the way the Lord wanted to do it. He said, through you, Abraham and Sarah, I will do this. And even though they made this mistake, he still, God was still faithful to his promise and he still gave them Isaac in their old age, and he still made a great nation to this day through that promised Isaac, but Ishmael was not the promise. In fact, literally right now, the promised people that God gave to Abraham through Isaac and creating the nation of Israel are currently still suffering the decision that Abraham and Sarah made because part of the Arabic uh, background and heritage comes from Ishmael himself that're strugg- the Israelites to this day are struggling with but even more than that, Muhammad, the creator of the religion of Islam, his descendant his genealogy, goes back to Ishmael. This is why it's so important for us to make sure that even when we get direction, we wait on the Lord for how he wants to do this so that he receives the glory. He will still be faithful at times. But we can really complicate the matter. Important for us to continue to wait. So let's give a good example. David, right? David, as a boy, Samuel, the prophet, comes along and anoints david's head and says you will be king over israel he has taken it from the hand of saul who was the king at the time and he will give it unto you for years david had to walk under this calling of his life this anointing over his life this powerful humbling title of his life and for years, David even had to personally suffer the persecution by the hands of Saul himself, knowing that he was supposed to be the king, but he refused to make it happen in his own way. He refused to Ishmael his Isaac promise. Even when Saul was, was hunting him in the wilderness and was trying to kill him, and while Saul was relieving himself himself. David was able to get close enough that he could even cut a piece of garment off of his clothes. That's how close, that's how available to him he could have ended the whole thing and stepped into the promise the Lord had made him, but he refused to do it any other way, other than God's way. He refused to lay his hands on the king that the Lord had still kept as king. You may know where it's headed, but don't try to run and accomplish it in your own strength. When God speaks, believe him, wait for him, and follow his directions completely. All right, here's an important point. You need to hear this. You guys said it last week. I'm going to reiterate it. Waiting on the Lord is neither passive nor inactive. Okay? Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean, okay, I'll just minimize. That's the prayer request. I'll minimize that tab and then when the Lord like answers it, he's just going to answer it. Waiting on the Lord is very active. It is not passive at all. At the very least, there is a regular constant, like prayerful joining together with the Lord so that our hearts are aligned with his, right? Like that is, that's not just something like, okay, uh, Lord, I'm just going to operate in an extended amount of faith. I'm just going to pray one time. And because I have so much faith that you can do it, like I'm just going to leave it there and then you'll take care of it when you want to. Like, we reason ourselves into ridiculous things. I see smiles across the room. You've done it. We've done it before. But waiting on the Lord is neither passive nor inactive. I felt immediately called to a verse in uh, Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one, that gives a great example of this. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. But the victory belongs to the Lord I want to sit in this for a moment because uh, during our prayer time this morning before service which is getting increasingly and increasingly more prophetic each week uh, just a word was shared having no idea that this was going to be a verse that I was going to use today something that came last week for somebody who was from somebody who was praying at two-ish in the morning for Stephen and I but the concept of Preparing for the battle was like a central theme. I just kind of laughed when I heard it. Because like you'd have no idea what, where we're going today. The Lord may say, battle. That's where we're headed. We're headed into warfare. But we don't just sit around and say, oh, okay, awesome. Like, when that day comes, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go in the battle and we'll win. There is an active participation that we have with the Lord even while we're waiting for that thing to come about the horses are prepared for battle that thing is not yet i'm waiting rightfully on the Lord to bring that thing about but there's still things that I can do in the meantime that I need to do that are necessary to do that are even expressive of believing the Lord for what he's going to do the horses are made ready for the day of battle. Uh, I, after the sermon last week, um, somebody came up to me and kind of, they had like a scenario in, in their lifestyle, like and said, hey, you may talk about this next week, but um, like, how does this kind of work out? Uh, and, and I was like, that's great. That's, we actually are going to talk about that next week. Um, but for example, like you're in a, maybe you're working somewhere and you're sensing there's like a shift away from the job that you're currently working. Well, the question is, okay, Lord, is, are, am I supposed to do this thing, but in another place? Or, or maybe like, it, am I supposed to do something entirely different? Are you like changing industry on me? right? And so let's just use that as an example. Maybe I'm a teacher, and the Lord is, is, is shifting me into uh, computer engineering, right? The Lord may have told me I'm shifting you, and this is the direction you're going, but I've not released you to do anything about that yet. I'm not supposed like I don't just run in because He showed me where we're headed. I don't just say I quit today and then I just go sign up and and apply for everything that I can over there. Waiting on the Lord in that scenario might mean I continue faithfully working as a teacher. And continue working as though unto the Lord as a teacher, but also in my free time, I am studying and learning and growing myself into becoming the best computer engineer that I can when the Lord has me step into be into being a computer engineer. Does that make sense? The version kind of an illustration of of what it could look like to wait on the Lord, but actively waiting on the Lord. This is where we're headed. Don't go there yet but you can participate with that. You can prepare for that. You can get the horse it's gone, Horse ready for the day of battle. Um, okay, I'll use these examples. Um, some people may say, I wanna be married one day. Right? I, I, I desire to be married one day. I'm waiting on the Lord for that. Great. But while you're waiting for the person and for your marriage day, why don't you do everything necessary to become that man that will be an amazing husband of God or that woman who would be an amazing woman of God? Why don't you, like, you becoming that person that your future spouse would love to be with and wants to lead or be led by doesn't have to start when you meet that person. Start becoming that person now. We've heard the example of, you guys know how bamboo grows, right? You've you've heard about this, in particular, Chinese bamboo, right? You can plant Chinese bamboo in great soil, water it every single day, and it needs to be watered for every single day. You can weed out all the weeds every single day for an entire year and see nothing. You can do it again for a whole nother year, every day, see nothing. Third year, nothing. Fourth year, nothing. But in that fifth year, that bamboo plant can grow upwards of 90 feet in five or six weeks. Some days, almost three feet a day. Wait on the Lord. We said it last week. The lack of the results that we're desiring to see does not indicate a lack of God's caring or presence over the matter. It's actually growing, it's just growing under the ground. It's building a root system to support a plant that will grow that fast and that high. Don't grow weary, He provides the strength while you're waiting. Okay. All right. I'm going to do something here. All right. Um, Just reiterating that the Lord isn't just sitting around and waiting, waiting on the Lord, isn't just sitting around and waiting for God to do everything, especially if he hasn't directly told you to do that. Um we initially partner with him in prayer, getting our hearts aligned with his will for whatever and however he wants to move. Can I can we go ahead, Stephen? Can you bring back up the, the whiteboard? I wanna um I teach this in different like contexts or whatnot. I wanna I wanna talk about something here. when when we're referencing thank you, Stephen. Um waiting on the Lord. And the questions that we have for the Lord, like I, I want to take a minute to address, because part of this is, God, like how do, I, how do I wait on the Lord and what's going on in my life right now and what I'm waiting for and stuff? And I want to I use a picture, if you will, to help illustrate something. This is what I call the triangle of, you can call it a lot of different things, the triangle of like God's will, God's purposes, God's callings, whatever it is. And there's three tiers to this triangle. This first tier is God's call, God's purposes, God's tasks, if you will, for everyone who calls on the Lord as Lord and Savior. If you are a believer, there are things in Scripture that the Lord has already said, this is what you should be doing. If we're actively waiting for the Lord to do something, maybe we're actively waiting for revival to happen, right? Like everyone who calls on the name of the Lord has been told to do these things, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. There are a lot of things that the Lord has said, be busy doing these things. If you are a believer, this applies to you. And then I'll. But this tier is the sum. So it divides us up into categories, if you will: man and woman, how we're supposed to operate and work as a man or as a woman, husbands and wives. That husbands have been called to husband a certain way, and wives have been called to wife, very to be a wife in a certain way. Children, parents, employee, employer, right? There's different roles that divide us into specifically. Do you fall into this category? If so. Be busy doing this and do it in this manner. We have callings from the Lord and direction on how to do that. And then in the top, me. What has the Lord specifically asked me to do? What am I supposed to accomplish? God, what's your will for my life in this? How are we going to do this? And here's like, when I bring this up, like here's something... I want to nervously say, (laughs) sometimes um, we act like this line is more so like down here in all of this. Sometimes the majority of our time and the majority of our efforts and the majority of our prayer life is focused around that right there. And we're so busy saying, God, help me with this, deliver me in this, show me in this right here, that we're so paralyzed and stuck because of that, that we ignore all of that. God, give me direction in this. Okay, but I've given you direction in all of these things. What are you doing? We talk about actively waiting on the Lord. He may say in a question we have here, wait, be patient. I'll take care of that. But that doesn't mean I just sit still and do nothing in my life. That thing is resolved. I have plenty of other things that he has already told me as a believer, be about this. Again, we still have to hold that with the lesson of today is, yes, be about that, but be about that in partnership with him wait on him and how to do that, but I can wait here and be active here. Does this make sense to us? Okay. I hope your hesitation isn't because it's kind of offensive because it's going to get worse. Do I have your permission? I just needed one person. Okay. I second that motion. This may sting a little and it may feel a little insensitive. I'm just going to, it's like saying no offense. Like if I say it ahead of time, then it doesn't count. (laughs) I want to say it. Um, When I say it, I need you to understand, I'm not saying what I'm about to say with anybody in mind, okay? Okay. I don't have a single person in this room. In fact, I'll probably just like turn around and say it at some point or something like that. I just want you to know I do not have anybody in mind. And when I say it, I say it in love. I'd rather say this now when I'm not directly speaking into your situation that you've come to me asking about because the truth is still the truth. It's just gonna be a little less stinger, little less offensive if I say it now, not being in the middle of your situation. Is that okay? Can I say that now? I'm going to say it as a question so it doesn't come across as, as offensive either. Okay? Is it possible that the most important thing in your life right now that you're dealing with isn't actually the most important thing going on in your life right now? Let me say it another way. The priority level that God places on a matter in your life is not dictated by your level of frustration regarding the matter. Say that again. The priority level that God places over a matter in your life is not dictated by your level of frustration over that matter. Remember how God works. Remember how God works on our behalf. He does so in love and with wisdom. That means that sometimes the Lord will use silence and remain silent on something, not because he doesn't care, not because he's not involved but because he knows that that good outcome, the perfect, the better outcome, is not in him giving in to your whining or your complaining in the moment. Sorry, let me, let me not offend this. Nate, just so everybody's not offended, right? I'm just gonna talk to me right now. I'm not talking to anybody else, just me, happen to be over a speaker. God still cares about you even when he's quiet, when you're whining and complaining about something you're not getting an answer to. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean he doesn't see. He's still working. He's still acting. Nate, you got to get to that place where you learn to trust that his silence is Means you just don't know everything yet. And you got to get to that place where you trust. You learn to hear the silence and respond with trust. Nate. Okay. Let's get back to the more fun stuff, the less offensive things. Does this, for real does this make sense what we're talking about here, right? In waiting on the Lord, we can't be so overly focused on the me, my situation that I lose out on the fact that I have been placed here among many and there's many things that the Lord is asking me to do. I can't bog down everything the Lord, Lord has asked of me to do already because of how I fit into these situations just because I don't know the outcome of that one right there wait on the Lord but actively wait on the Lord if we go back um I'm gonna shift this to the side just a second I'm gonna ask you to bring it back up in a minute anyways but just just a heads up getting your workout today Uh, yeah, just just off stage so that we can see the screen. Let's pull back up um, the proverb 21:31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. It's important to understand. It's reiterated in there. There is a participation that we have in the waiting, in making the horse ready for battle. But there is also a waiting in how we engage in the battle that we see here. Notice the proverb doesn't say that the horse is made ready for the day of the battle, and the preparation wins the battle. Notice that it doesn't say, and the Lord gives victory to the warrior. What does it say? The horse is is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The only way the victory belongs to the Lord is if it's the Lord who makes the victory happen. So when the Lord gives you direction in your life, you still seek him. Even when you have clear direction where you're going, there's that participation thing again. And you're still seeking him. Lord, how do you want to work and move in this situation? I almost, there's that scene from, I wish I had prepared this. It kind of came to my mind. Um, from one of the Lord of the Rings movies where there's like this giant battle and I think it was like Gandalf or whatever. And he, some of y'all are like, you are Lord of the Rings nerds. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm driving you nuts because I'm butchering it right now. I apologize. But he says on like the third day or whatever like that, like look to the east or the west, whatever. And like they had engaged in battle and they're in battle. And then all of a sudden like this bright sun comes over the crest of the mountain and Gandalf is like leading an army. They had no idea was coming. Like, and like it wins. Like it just... Because of that fuel, because of how he works and moves, like, they win the battle. Or something like that. <laughs> Go spend 12 hours trying to find the scene that I'm talking about in all the, all the movies. The Lord may say, battle. Prepare the horse for the battle. But when you get there, don't take your eyes off me. he will work in a way that he is exalted among all the nations. He is exalted in all of the world. There's also a spirit of reliance and a spirit of expectancy on behalf of the warrior. The Lord said, go into battle. Therefore, believing that battle is the direction, he prepares the horse for battle. And then while in battle, there is reliance upon the Lord to be the one who wins the battle. Why? Because even while we have this as a proverb, that's what Solomon said, what did his dad say? What did David say? Psalm 33 in verses 16 through 17 and 20 through 22. It says, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Go back to the first portion again. In the same moment that we understand I need to actively participate with what the Lord's doing by making the horse ready for battle I also have to realize that same horse is a false hope for salvation. Wow. What does that mean? We have been given strength, abilities. Of all the creation that God made, we are the pinnacle. We were made differently than all of the creation. But the danger is that in that is sometimes we depend on ourselves. We hear the direction and then we say, I'll go accomplish it. You're the horse. Depending on yourself is a false hope for battle. But the horse is necessary and is a part of the victory that the Lord is going to win, that the Lord is going to use to bring about the victory. You're a war horse, but in and of yourself, you're a false hope for battle. We see that? Participate with the Lord. I believe the Lord is going to do these things. I am going to prepare myself for the Lord to do these things. Maybe let, let's use let's use a, another example. Maybe this will help. Anybody ever tried to grow something? You ever tried to grow plants? If oh, yeah. you've ever met Nicolette, you probably propagated something. <laughs> or Deborah, right? Anybody ever like tried? Let me, let me put it, say the same thing and emphasize differently. Anybody ever tried to grow a plant before? Anybody ever like watered that thing the way it was supposed to be done? Some of you are like, yeah, but it was my fault. Like it died, but it was my fault. Like any of you ever like legitimately ever like put seed into good soil, watered it, didn't overwater it, watered it the right amount, put it in the sunlight or whatever, and it just didn't grow? It didn't work out? Why? Because you cannot make a seed grow. You don't have that power. In Mark 4, Jesus used an example of a sower who casts seed on the ground. and says, day and night he sleeps, yet it grows, he knows not how and what we're wanting to see the lord do we can't make it happen but we are responsible like the farmer to do everything necessary to provide an environment in which it can happen we can water we can find the good soil we can be diligent to water it we can weed out anything that would try to choke it from growing and although we cannot make that seed grow we still play an active part before it ever grows you see this what if it was bamboo five years the lord saying there's an active part i want you to play in all of this Um, I actually like, I I started to think about that idea of preparing the horse for battle. I was like, what does that mean? Like, what did that look like? What, what, what literally did they do to prepare a horse for battle? Has anybody ever been around horses? Has anybody ever like intimately like, like, is anybody like really familiar with horses? I mean, yes, Hannah is like, yes, it's me, right? Is it? It is appropriate, am I correct, to say one word that describes horses is extremely skittish. Depends. But can, can you not see a horse lose its mind over a paper bag that just goes rolling across the field in front of it? Imagine that. Horses have a natural, like, skittishness. They, they have a hesitancy at times. They have an unwielding... We're talking about taming the horse, Whether It has a wild side. It can have a wild side to it. But it was prepared for battle. Imagine a horse that is skittish and or wild being used in battle. If you've never tamed a horse or seen a wild horse, would you want to try to get on that thing? What did that process look like? I'm going to read off a couple of the things when I dove deeper into this. Um, And I think we're going to see some spiritual connotations here. Um, uh, what did it look like to prepare a horse for battle? What were they used for? Horses were used in light infantry and in heavy infantry and in things like carrying chariots in war. So why did they need to be trained and how were they trained? They had to overcome natural instincts to run from noise, confusion, and even the smell of blood. They had to be trained out of them. They had to be trained to accept sudden movement. In warfare, there's a lot of sudden movement. (laughs) They had to accept the armor placed on it. They had to work together with other horses under close quarters and in chaotic conditions. You believe them for revival? Prepare the horses. What could that, see, see, the, see the, the imagery here. Overcome natural instincts to run from noise, confusion, even the smell of blood. Ever heard the phrase, revival gets messy? There's a reason. Accept sudden movement. Oh man, the spiritual art of interruptibility. I had an idea for how my day went, but because I've learned to lay my day down before the Lord in a moment where I would have naturally responded with frustration because I wanted to get that accomplished, but this issue is in front of me, I now see it as opportunity, and now I get to step into that in partnership with the Lord and be used. That will happen in revival. In revival, you'll be looking for those things. Whose life are you gonna turn upside down today, Lord? Horses need to be directed without much use of the reins. I don't think I said this. Uh, but they, need to, they have to be trained to be directed without much use of the reins by the rider's feet and its shifting weight. Think about it. I'm on a horse with a sword, right? I can't be holding on to the reins and guiding the horse everywhere. It's got to be trained on how to follow my feet and adjust to my weight. I'm, I'm over here swinging at stuff. I may even be pulled The horse can't just stay there or can't just, you know, be tipped with me. It's got to adjust to that. In revival, we have to learn how to be led by the Spirit in ways we've never been led before. We've got to learn to adjust according to how he's moving. Except the armor placed on it. Do I really have to dive deep into that one? Is it not obvious? In fact, it needs to prefer to fight with armor on it. We have to refuse to go into the battle of revival without the armor of God on. Stephen said it multiple times. What happens when the believer refuses to put on the armor? If there's a reason why the Lord says put on the armor, what happens when we don't? We had to dedicate a whole series of spiritual warfare around that concept. Work together with other horses under close quarters and chaotic conditions. Yeah, anybody, was anybody part of the outpouring in February? Oh, yeah. One of the ways that the Lord will try to undermine, undercut, and stop a revival is by sowing disunity among believers. What did I say? Not the Lord, Satan. Thank you, thank you. That's what I'm talking about. One of the ways Satan will try to undercut revival is by sowing disunity among believers. Get the horses ready. How's your heart towards your neighbor? How's your heart towards your brother or sister in Christ? Nate? How is your heart towards your brother and your sister in Christ? Could you perhaps be the blockage? Could your heart be the blockage? Because you are not ready to work alongside your brother and sister. Is the Lord responding in mercy and grace by not starting something? Because you'll ruin it. Nate's taking a whooping today. All right. Lastly, I want to do something. Bring, bring it back up for me, please, Stephen. I'm going to do something. This is a little bit of a futile exercise, um, and it's so incomplete. This is, the, I am starting a conversation that has so, just, just. I am aware, okay? Like, some of you will come up and be like, also, you know, it would be good with this and this, and also about this. Like, understand, there are so many different things that are coming that we will talk in regards to a concept like this, but... I just want to take a moment for us to just whiteboard something here, okay? When we talk about, like, revival, when we talk about what we want the Lord to do in the city of Athens and the surrounding areas unto the nations and through Athens and the surrounding region and unto the nations What is it, literally, what is it you're believing for or desiring the Lord to actually do here in Athens? I get this is futile because we're talking about a Lord who works in ways we can't even imagine. He's told us over and over in scripture, behold, I'm about to do something you wouldn't imagine if I told you. You couldn't understand this. So to a degree, we are not going to exhaust what real revival will actually look like. But I'm just asking you in your hearts, what are you believing for? What are you desiring to see the Lord do here in Athens? Salvation. Give me a little more description about that. You, a whole city? good. Spreading, yeah. It gets worse the lower it goes, people. What else? I'm just going to do upwards and sideways love. Does it look as uncomfortable as it feels? <laughs> What do you want to see God do Break Okay, uh, healings. Deliverances. Raised up leaders. There you go, good one. Mhm. Readied hearts. Yeah. Jesus is coming back. Jesus, Jesus is coming back. Can I be honest with you? Can I like? Can I be vulnerable for a second? I'm still wading through the concept of the phrase Maranatha. Like the missional side of me is struggling with that because there's billions that don't know Jesus. I'm struggling to say, Jesus, come back. But one good revival. (laughs) And those billions that I'm concerned about can be ushered in and Jesus can come back. So I get it. Saying Maranatha, come back. Jesus is also saying, come in into this situation, work and move and bring widespread revival so that the time is ready and fulfilled. Did you have something right there? Nope. Oh, that was just an amen hand? Amen. What else do you want to see? Signs and wonders. I'll add that here to... I'm going to just do all kinds of unity. We'll just do that. Unity widespread. about sharing everything just everything can I add this how about reformed maybe a better word is redeemed education what if the school system from top to bottom in this city was cranking out different kinds of graduates dream with me here what do you want to see happen we're talking about a revival the world has never seen a revival that that will shake the nations if that's true what's god doing Families restored, churches what? I don't know why I started going sideways. Lives healed. I don't know if Every ethnic, lives healed. Yeah, okay. It's 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 a starter list. It really is because there's so much more that the Lord can and will do. I want to see top to bottom, government change, education. Changed the way that things are handled and talked about. Changed, I, I think of the Welsh revival where bars just simply no longer operated because people had different ways of finding hope and peace and escape. Jails emptied, yeah, crime go down. media and entertainment. Listen, if you don't see what's happening in Georgia right now and even in Athens, do you understand that Hollywood is moving to the state of Georgia? Do you understand that the city of Athens has even just recently built studios, massive studios over on the east side? The influence that it seems like the Lord is taking the chess pieces and putting into place right now. Do you know the worshipers that don't even yet know Jesus that exists in the city yet, the influence that this city has, that God's preparing? There's people performing at 40 watts who will be on stages leading revival. Here's why I want, Yeah. Yeah, a whole city upside down. A whole city upside down. Here's what I want to do here for today. You can't make that seed grow. You can't make any of those seeds grow. But you can do a few things to create an environment that provides the best possible ability for those seeds to grow you can't make someone come to salvation you can't trust me you can't but you can be responsible for actually opening your mouth and sharing the thing that is necessary for them to come to salvation I can't say it's not a good goal, it's not an appropriate goal for me to say, I'm going I'm to see 50 people saved next month. I can't control that. I can't control, I'm going to go share the gospel with 50 people next month. We can't afford to, to desire to see these seeds grow, but never cast them in the first place for them to grow. To not follow up with them. We want to see discipleship take off. Are we ourselves prepared? You guys have done a great job in learning how to go through our discipleship process and preparing to disciple somebody, right? Because somebody may come to salvation and just aren't going to respond to me or Stephen or our sermons up here, and certainly not in the way that they will respond and grow when they sit down one-on-one with you and you lead them through discipleship. Prepare the horse for battle. How ready are we? How familiar are we with the gospel and sharing it? How familiar are we with discipleship? Did I write godly gout? No, oh, government. <laughs> government. Okay. We rebuke gout. <laughs> See below down here. Man, how much time are we spending like in intercessory prayer praying for our government versus complaining about our government? Wow. How many do you know? How many government leaders have you proactively try to reach out to, even just to say, hey, I'm praying for you. How can I more specifically be praying for you? I want us to look at this list and ask, God, we are ready for revival. And we wait on you. But what would you have me do now to be a part of preparing the soil so that those seeds can grow? Stephen, will you take this? Van, will you go ahead and come up? A lot of movement's going to happen around me, but don't miss this next point that I'm about to make. Thanks. Good catch. I feel like sometimes some of us are in this place where we are desiring revival and we're even believing for revival and for a massive work of God. But it's as if we're waiting for the signal fire of revival, for God to do this big thing and when that signal file of, of, of revival goes up, maybe it's just this, something happens in a service, right? Or something happens down the street or, or some huge event happens or, or, or I don't know. But it's just in our minds, we're waiting for this big signal fire to go up and we know it's happening, this is it. And then we run full force, believing for God to do stuff in us and through us. And we're waiting for that signal fire but it's almost as if I can hear the Lord saying, I gave everybody a book of matches. This is why I've said before in past weeks, I don't need you to believe for an entire city to catch on fire with revival. I just need you to believe you can. Here's what you cannot tell me. None of you can look at me and say, as a confidence from the Lord, Certainly can't stand on any scripture with it and tell me that you can't be the one that ignites that fire. Perhaps the Lord is wanting to start revival that will change a city, that will change a region, that will change the world. You might be the one who lights that signal fire. Wait on the Lord, but actively wait together with the Lord I need you to understand that I need you to go out today and go out this week with the belief that I actually can be used by the Lord to ignite a massive revival do you you, like I'm trying to tie together a lot of different points here today. There is waiting on the Lord in our life. But when we're talking about this massive movement, I need you to understand that you don't have to wait for somebody else to do that. When revival hits and and people are being used mightily by the Lord, do you understand, do you remember, if you go back and look at the definition of revival, it's revive. It's bring back to the way it was supposed to have been the entire time. Literally, one of the uses is to bring back an old play. What would happen if you were awoken, awakened? Because if you catch fire, man, maybe you're the one that just happens to run closest to the signal fire pile. And when your neighbor or your spouse or your family member or your coworker sees your life on fire their life catches on fire then their neighbors friends co-workers family members lives catch on fire it's a wild fire with the lord but it's good and it can start with So yes, let us wait, but actively wait. Stay with me. Lord, I pray for a fresh vision over each and every person's lives in this room right now. Whoever's gonna watch. Later or listen later. God, I pray for a fresh vision in their hearts to see, to perceive, to understand how you can and desire to use. May courage and boldness abound in our lives. I thank you that you will deliver. As we wait on you, our hope will not be put to shame. Your way is better. And I thank you that you reveal your way in the right timing. So as we lay ourselves down for you, Father, I again bring back up this idea of consecration. Lord, would you give us a vision so that we understand what we are consecrating ourselves unto? Personally, corporately. God, work and move. We will wait for you. And when you respond in partnership, we will obey. May it be so in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens Podcast. Be on the lookout for the Next Step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website linked below.